0: mindfulness mode
1: the mind is a powerful tool the rational mind you know it gave birth to science and we're all grateful for science
0: mindful tribe i'm here today with an author and he's an author who is really making a huge difference in the world and i've read his book and i found it extremely fascinating i just absolutely loved it i embraced the concept of this book i have with me author francis Chol, francis are you in mindfulness mode today
1: um i live in mindfulness no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) well i'm certainly open open to be mindful yes i
0: would not be surprised if that was 100 true because (laughs) i started reading your book and when i first started you know it's like any book i'm like okay i'm open i'm not sure what i'm going to get out of this but i'm just going to open myself to it and it didn't take long, only a couple of pages and I was like, "Whoa, this book is different." This book gets r- cuts right to the chase and it has so much to offer in the area of mindfulness. It has so much to offer our world which is just too left brain a lot of the time in my opinion. But what does mindfulness mean to you, Francis?
1: Mindfulness means to me um our natural state of being, you know, our, our, yeah, our natural state of being. I've done theater. And my teacher from, um, from New York would say, from Yale, she would say university, she would say, Hey, Francis, you know, animals are always in the moment, the only creatures on this planet, that are delusional, always in the past or the future, are us human beings And as an actor, you need to come back to the present you know this is what you're interesting to your audience
0: (laughs) yes this is how we connect with others is when someone is in the present and those who are not it's more difficult to connect with them isn't it
1: but then you know if we agree with this that it's in the present that we connect with, with others then there's one other thing to say this is where we are connected with others there's nothing to do you know, when you're in the present, you are connected with others. Uh, just like the tree is connected with the sun, you know? Um, and, and for business, that means that all the effort we make for team building and everything is just compensatory. It's correcting something that has taken us away from home, so to speak. And so what we do with Squircle, what's offered with Squircle is to um, recognize that we're correcting something that's off keel And the journey is to actually be centered and present, and not working for it, but remembering it. So there's nothing to learn. There's nothing uh, to be taught. There's nothing complicated. It's actually embracing that that beingness. And and yes, it's difficult when the phone rings and we have pressure and clients demands and bankers on the phone and everything. And It can be uh, remembered, it can be uh, owned and honed, and it can be put to action, which is very important. You know, where I always felt slightly maybe frustrated with mindfulness is that how can I bring mindfulness really to work? It's not like, I mean, integrated into my work because, you know, to do meditation prior to your day, at the end of the day, middle of the day, that's great but to be in a meditative state during work is actually when you perform at your best and you know bruce before um today's pandemic there was another pandemic the pandemic before the pandemic which was burnout yes and not so much written about not so much discussed about because people feel helpless in the face of burnout i've talked to clients who told me John went to burnout, of all people, you know, it was absolutely impossible for me to believe that John would go into this. He seemed to be a calm human being and everything. So very unpredictable, extremely ruthless, very hard to come back when he really hits you. And, and I was saying, my like, but you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, very few small adjustments can really go a very long way. And one of them is by simply reconnecting with what it is to be human.
0: Yes, let's talk about that word squircle and your website is SquirkleAcademy.com, and S-Q-U-I-R-C-L-E SquirkleAcademy.com. So tell us in your own words how you came up with the word Squirkle.
1: Okay, so squircle is square and circle coming together. So, square is rational thinking, logical thinking. It's dependable, it's predictable, it's useful. Uh, we love it. That's how we build our PNL. that's how we build our strategy, um, all, all good stuff. And in parallel, you have circle, which is emotions, inspirations, sensations, intuitions, inspirations all the things that you cannot put in a box. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say with square call is that we live in a world where square dominates decisions, square dominates the way we look at problems, square dominates the way we try to solve problems. And unfortunately, in doing this, you exclude the best part of who we are, that creates engagement, that creates creativity, that creates agility that creates performance with ease and well being. And, and we read the exact problem with square with square dominant square is difficult to innovate, difficult to create engagement, only 13% of the global workforce is engaged on the workplace in the workplace, difficult to keep people um, at ease, pandemic or burnout um the numbers are appalling and um and difficult to keep people agile you know con- constantly evolving with this fast evolving world we're in so squircle is square and circle coming together in synergy so no one's dominating the conversation the two forces in us those two dimensions in us, come together and create more than what they could create individually um,
0: Absolutely,
1: as a circle and that's the magic and the results are unbelievable <laughs> when you use that cocoa attitude. yes.
0: Yeah, and you have a terrific, terrific way of communicating this concept because the book is not, not a thick book it's not complicated it's a very easy read and yet immediately you make it easy to understand this whole concept now you also talk about the science behind it let's talk about that now tell us what is the science behind this concept
1: well thank you thank you bruce thank you for the compliments i'm very happy because that was really the idea to make this concept that is about the complexity of what it is to be human you know simple to understand, universal, so that even a five-year-old can get it, and very actionable, packed with solutions and guidelines so that people can put it into practice because it works. So the science behind it, to answer your question. So two things. Um, one is, let's say the science of the body, that breathing is um, the way to immediately re-enter your body, and it's deeper intelligence in terms of perceptions, in terms of agility, um, adaptation, and so forth. And um, there's a a, a great book written by uh, James Nestor called Breath um, that speaks about this eloquently, how radical the process of breathing can be on our health, well-being, and healing power of pretty intense diseases. So that whole scientific piece of something that's been left out that's so essential to us look learning again to breathe throughout consciously throughout every minute of your day that can be practiced that can be learned it's natural it's on it can be learned it can be uncovered it's there you know what i always say to my clients is like no matter what whether you're tired angry hungry happy content you will continuously breathing. There is an intelligence in you that processes that very sophisticated complex process called breathing no matter what. And what we do in business, we uncover this intelligence, we make sure that people become aware of it and let it actually come to the fore in the way they make decisions in business. And that intelligence is actually what we need for the complex world we live in that requires so much adaptation and innovation. And the other piece of science is the whole work that's been done around decision making and cognitive biases. So the whole contribution of behavioral economics, Daniel Kahneman, Nobel Prize in, in, in psychology and economy, telling people, look, you've designed economic laws, and science that rely on a rational human being, but we're not rational. And there are lots of decisions that we make from a different place. So he said, be aware of your cognitive biases. And then there is another school, um, former director of the Planck Institute in Berlin, Dr. Gerd Gegenreiser, who has written lots of things about the power of the unconscious and instinct, who says, look, there is an innate capacity in us to make complex decisions in environments when we don't have all the information, And we'll be able to come to a good decision without having all the information or the ability to process all information. So what he's saying is that under certain circumstances and that match most of our situations in business, we have inherently in us an ability to make good decisions. And that's not a trade-off between, oh, I need to get to a decision in a short period of time and I'm not gonna process all the information. Not at all, it is, if you don't have access to all the information you need you don't need to panic you have something in you that will take you through the process of getting you to a good decision meaning not putting you at risk and getting you to a solution that is more than enough for what you're looking for and and that's how actually what we how we most of the time make decisions in life but but the, the, unfortunately, the traditional vision is that you need to process all the facts, all the information, double check, triple check, put everything into an equation for you to get to the best decisions. And that's what people do or tend to do or assume. And that puts you in a box, because you can't move fast with this, you can't do things that are um, actually holistic, and getting to the nuances. Um, that you will not necessarily understand, but that you perceive and process in that heuristic way of making decisions. So this gentleman has produced a book called Heuristics, 700 pages, collaging all the research he's done with many other scientists. And and that's a piece of science that's very much overlooked. And that's Quirkle tries to really turn into an actionable model and a reasonable, um, um, creative way of going about the situations that every businessman, businesswoman encounters in, in their conducting in their business every day today.
0: In your book, you talk about some of the first things you do when you do workshops, a lot of them are in the corporate world. And one of the first things you do is you get everybody together in the room and you play a game, the squircle mm-hmm. game. Tell us about that game. I already tried playing it with my family and it was so much fun.
1: Okay, good. All right. So, you know because the game is people is taking people out of the ordinary we first explain the model and the science behind the model and where people uh, uh, and how people can work with the model okay so just to bring structure to the conversation and then we have them take an assessment once they understood the process uh, the model sorry they take an assessment and then we position them on the model so now they can see where their strengths live and what the opportunities are um, Know that the assessment is in no way about categorizing you in a way or another. It's much more about starting a personal conversation with yourself to see where you lean towards a square, towards a circle, and how you use those, you know, capabilities of the relating to the square and relating to the circle. So you know it's very open but deepening self-understanding and deepening how you go about life and how you solve complex problems. So then we tell them, hey, look. Do you want to have an experience? Do you want to really see how you can do this? And, um, and that's where the game comes in, the squircle game, a fun game, but a game that really mirrors what happens in everybody's life in business, meaning you have to work with other people, whether you like them or not, whether you share the same values or not, whether you have the same understanding of the problem, and even the same um, understanding of what could be a roadmap, a path forward, or could be a strategy. So you don't need to agree on anything in this particular game and still resolve the complex problem and produce results, measurable results. So that's the magic. You know, you are in a situation that mirrors business, a complex challenge that you have to resolve with other people that you don't necessarily always agree with or care about. And you still have to deliver results in a limited period of time and and. And what we show people is only a change of attitude, only a change of attitude that will move you from being stuck in the face of complexity to actually moving through with ease, a sense of wholeness about yourself and a sense of connection with others against whether you like them or not. And then finally resolve the problem in a way that's measurable. And that's remarkable.
0: Well, it is, it is remarkable. And I think it would be fascinating to be a fly in the wall at some of those workshops. Do you do them all yourself? Do you have a number of teams that go out and do these workshops? Tell us about that. Yeah.
1: So I've worked over the time of times with, uh, with, um, other consultants, you know, uh, great people that, that I've enjoyed and, and, and relationships with over, over the years. And since I've written the book Squircle, I've had requests, to certify some of them into the so-called certification program, into the so-called Squircle methodology. So I put together a Core certification program, and I've had a first cohort of people uh, now that are being certified, and um, and we're going to do the second cohort soon. So if anybody's interested, please call us and join us. Um, and so these people are learning everything about the methodology. So what we've done is so so you understand the framework. I position you and then we take you through the experience. There's a before and an after. now you know that you have in you naturally this capacity to solve complex problems. And then we operationalize it in four key areas, which we have identified with our clients, listening to our clients, working with our clients as being levers of success. And those four areas are adaptation, collaboration, communication, and innovation. And for each of those four pillars, we have developed specific workshops to help you to awaken the natural born adapter in you, Um, communicate from a place of deep connection so you can get to a deeper level of understanding about diversity and make inclusion something that's possible to even imagine. How you manage innovation, how do you solve complex problems, how do you lead executive meetings much more efficiently? Um, so, very operational. So, the assessment is really not so much staying on the assessment as much as it is okay, well, what I've learned through the assessment about myself and recognizing others different from me, how can we work together to perform better together? Meaning, more productivity with more agility, creativity, and um, resilience and well being
0: and to become certified, what is the timeline and what is the price point to do that?
1: Okay, so thank you. So it's three months, um, three months of um, once a week. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Three months, once a week, we begin with three hours, we move to two and a half hours, you have a week, then you have another two or three hours a week of personal work, you know, in between. So we send you questionnaires, read the material um, because every session is recorded every session is transcripted so you can go back to the session that you listened to that you participated in and listen and listen to it and then we give you some extra reading and more more importantly than anything we ask you to reflect on what's been uncovered for you and how you personally plug into it how does it resonate for you what is in your life experience already there that really illustrates what call offers. Because it's really not about duplicating me. It's about sharing with you something that's universal in all of us. And that needs to be translated into your life experience so it can be credible in the face of clients, in the front of clients. Um, because there's nothing new to learn. It's just remembering, in a sense, like putting back together parts of us that have culturally been dissociated so deeply that we don't even believe they exist.
0: Right. And so what is the price point to do this?
1: So I've put together a a scorecard certification for the assessment, where you just facilitate the assessments for people and the price point has not been set. Okay, I think it's gonna be around $3,000. And when you train for the three months and then another nine months of me available to you once a week to discuss the process of pitching, the uh, methodology to your clients, me coming and doing a practicum with you where by which you shadow me when I'm doing the work, then I shadow you when you do the work, and then you're on your own and I'm supervising you from afar. You know, that's a, a nine-month uh, window where we're going to do this together. Um, and I will also generate leads for you, business leads, so you can actually work with Uh, clients I provide to your prospects and turn them into clients and work with them. It's a $15,000 for a year.
0: Very reasonable. Very reasonable. So can you tell us some stories about some actual people or some actual organizations, corporations that you've worked with and some of the results?
1: Sure. Okay, so I don't know if everybody will know that name, but the name is LVMH, which is the company, the French, the number one luxury group in the world, um, that, um, owns Louis Vuitton, you know, like the, the luxury bags. So I was working with one of their, uh, brands, they call them Maison, you know, uh, right. uh houses, um, um, in the, uh, Asian Pacific markets. So it's, uh, we're talking about a beauty brand in APAC, Asian Pacific. So, That was, when was that? 2016 in Hong Kong. Prior to 2016, the Asian markets were operated from Paris, from the headquarters in Paris. But because the Asian market became so important in terms of growth and opportunities that they decided to open a headquarter in Hong Kong. So now you had 10 head of different countries, Thailand, Korea, Japan, China, um, Singapore and so on, who suddenly had to move from being country managers reporting directly into the headquarters in Paris with direct access to supplies, finance, and so on, to now have to report to a regional president, so one step away from the headquarters, one step away from supplies, one step away from finance, and move from being head of a country to actually becoming co leader of a region. So you're adding one layer of reporting, and you added more headaches away from your p which is by which you are measured as a country leader. So nobody really wanted it. And um, three months later, uh, sorry, not three months later, and then and then we started to, then we started to, uh, to work three days together in London, at the LVMH house, their training hub. And they came in like kind of resentful, you know, and not wanting to go to, to go into this experience, not knowing exactly what to expect. And they came out really um, hyper-inspired with a great sense of possibility, um, great progress, some strategic realization about their own business already that they knew they would have to focus on to get ahead. And then I accompanied them um, for eight months, every two months, I would go to Hong Kong. Every month we would do the game over the phone and hold their executive meeting together with the methodology that we have really well developed that helps propel the productivity of the executive team. And they said to what the results were in 2017. So the global CEO asked the Asian president, the president for Asia, to um, put 10% in the budget as a goal for 2017. And the president was like, oh, eh, not so easy. You know, we're just creating the region and I don't think market's gonna deliver 10%, but okay, 10%. Market delivered 8.5%. Wow. They delivered 20%. Fantastic. Organic growth, increasing profitability. Taking the lead, global lead for that Maison, beauty beauty company, beauty brand, they took the lead on one product category where the, company, the category where they were the weakest globally, they took the global lead and they took the global lead on di- digital transformation of the marketing function, which is normally typically something that's led by America because America is very advanced in digital, but now they took the lead and they became appointed at the center of excellence for that product category and that uh, digital transformation. And finally, all of this was organic. And share on the cake, these people I'm still in contact with them four years later, five years later, they tell me, you know, Francis, it was a before and after you know, my leadership, my management is never the same. Um, I've I've been transformed, you know, and whatever I learned in those times over that year in 2016 is something that informs everything I do. And some have moved on to other companies. One has moved on to Revlon, he's the head of Asia. Um, He sits on the executive committee of that global group. And he says to me, you know, Francis, I can't wait for us to work again with my new team, but know that I'm already implementing some of what we've done together. So that's very rewarding. And and I've seen that happen over and over again. So listen, Bruce, you know, I'm not an academics, you know, I'm trying to rely as much as possible on science, but I'm a practitioner and I serve practitioners uh, by bringing them science and, and, and models. Um, but I can speak with authority today, um, to the fact that it works. I've seen it happen over and over again. And we've been hired and rehired by the same CEOs to do the same work. And sometimes we've transformed business models in organizations that were seeing decreasing, decreasing sales, plummeting profits in failing industries, in failing economies. And we've turned around the business with them in less than a year, into growth, and profits, and new business model. And we got hired again by the same CEO, and we did the same thing in a different division of the company, in another part of the world, on on a completely different business, part of the same holding. So, and 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 I should add that Boston Consulting Group and McKinsey had made recommendations, brilliant white paper, but were not able to really translate that into an experience that would turn the business around. So, um, I say it with a smile. Why? Because we don't teach any, anything to anyone. We just remember them. we awaken, we reveal to them what's already within. And that's, that's the absolute truth. You know, you can ask my clients and that creates a sense of happiness and joy and upbeat, because you know what? We're not productive We. no one is born productive we are playful by nature. And so that playfulness, you get the deeper place of possibility and and complexity complex problem solving. Yeah.
0: Yes, and you really communicated that in your book. That's very impressive what you've been able to achieve. Now, I always ask a question, Francis, on my show related to bullying. And I wonder if you have a story that you can share where maybe it was in the workplace, maybe it was in the corporate world, or maybe it was you as a child where bullying happened, but mindfulness would have made a difference as to how that was handled. Is there something you could share with us on that topic?
1: Okay, um, okay, there are so many personal stories you know that happened to me be- yes. between me and my brother, between me and my father, and they were very violent experiences actually that probably have shaped who I am. um okay, one of the thing, you know, and then we will move on to something else, but you know, um, my father would always tell me, "Francis, why can't you do things like other people?" <laughs> <So> <laughs> I've heard that all my life. You know? I had no answer. I was doing it the way I was doing it. I didn't know I was different from others. You know, right. um, but that suddenly, when it comes also with some, you know, physical brutality, unfortunately, that doesn't translate into a sense of self-confidence <laughs> when you no, start. It <laughs> does not. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that was my story. But then, you know, as you said, with work. With personal work and everything, you know, you 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 work through your stuff like everybody else. So I did work through my stuff. Um, but then recently, we presented to someone that was very interesting. There was such an experience. So I was not presenting. Oh I mean, no, it's not true. I was presenting. Excuse me. I was presenting. I was doing a typical power lunch in a nonprofit organization, and uh, and then it was followed by a lunch. And I was not part of the lunch, as, as you know, the members were part of the lunch. And one of the members is actually certifying with us in the squad call certification program. So for her, it was the beginning of a practicum, she was assisting me and, and looking at watching me shadowing me in the work. And then at lunch, she said, Okay, look, we're we'll bringing this to a nonprofit organization for free to help you and everything. And as a woman, who didn't, didn't even attend the experience because she came late without apologizing, by the way, to the other members, nor to me. Um, but then and when came the debrief I thought she wanted to say something because her mic was on on zoom and said no 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 no, I didn't come I didn't assist I don't have anything to say okay so I kept and moved on and during lunch when this person who's certifying with me presented it to the group and said look it's open to the floor let's discuss it what was your impression everybody was interested there's even one person who said I want to sign up for the certification so it's so great but she was the one bullying the other person saying you're trying to manipulate our mind you're doing something it's shallow there is nothing you're not qualified like that's like unbelievable so what's interesting here bruce so there was no mindfulness at all no (laughs) (laughs) but what was interesting is that for whatever reason you know people have their day sometimes but and what's remarkable she didn't even experience the methodology so i don't know I, i don't know what she based her feedback upon but there was a a sense of resistance towards maybe an ease that the group had experienced and a sense of possibility that came from no teaching, from actually no hierarchy. You know, we're just there equal with them and we just coach them to remember something that's already there, but lost in the history of our culture, centuries and probably millennia ago. And And, and maybe she was just, um upset by the fact it was so simple and had a hard time to believe a heart open, as you said. Like, you know, well, I was really picking up your book, Francis. I was, like, okay, I'm gonna go with an open mind, I don't know what to expect. And she was not able to have that open mind and open heart because honestly, it was a gift to them. Yes. And sometimes people have a hard time when it's too simple, you know, when it's just yeah. too obvious
0: what a great story well as we move forward i want to ask you five quick answer questions so just 30 second answers are perfect the first one is this who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life
1: my acting teacher she was a brilliant 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 my acting teacher is my voice teacher too by the way you know like you cannot act and sing without really surrendering uh to the moment yeah
0: Right. Number two, how has mindfulness affected your emotions or how you deal with them?
1: I'm a high-strung, hyperactive person <laughs> <laughs> and I've learned through the years, including March last year in the moment of, you know, the pandemic and the economy collapse and everything. Uh, I, I, um, I weathered through it when I did the math of where the economy was going. It was not very difficult to know that we would have more than hundred percent, you know, debt ratio in America. It's okay. well, how's it going to wear? When, you know, when you're a small business owner, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're a little boat on a big ocean and become like a tsunami. It's very rough. So, you know, I took myself and said, you know what, COVID is asking us to remember what nature is and that nature rules the world. We don't rule the world. Yes. And, um, And I said, okay, well, learn it now. What can you do now? I say, well, what I can do now is start breathing consciously, be in the moment. And what felt an abstraction 20 years ago when I was studying acting in New York, felt very real, very possible and immediately gave me a sense of peace. And I'm telling you since March, I forgot the date was I was in my kitchen was my lunch break. I was fixing lunch for myself. And I did exactly this. I, um, from that moment on, I don't allow myself to sleep away from this. It's like anytime there's an unknown that can bring some form of fear, or anxiety, I go back to that breathing because you know what? The unknown is unknown. So my reaction is actually to the unknown and the unknown is unknown. So it's irrational. (laughs) (laughs) There's no hard facts, you know, that really, so it's okay. You know, all of this is assumption. So let go and go back to your breathing, be in the moment. And in that moment, you know, what would you encounter? You encounter peace and wholeness.
0: Yes, you do. And my third question was about breathing. So you've already answered that. (laughs) And the fourth question is, can you recommend a book other than Squircle, which I highly recommend, can you recommend a book that's related to mindfulness?
1: Right. Okay. So I wrote the intuitive compass, which gives it m- much more information than Squirrel book, you know, uh, for those who are in business. So go and read squ- the intuitive compass as well, because there's a lot of case studies, it's much more business oriented. And then I would say another great book is the one I mentioned before by James Nestor, called breath. Right. And this book um, is a bit lengthy and very documented. But you know, if you don't have much time, you just pick and choose different areas. And um, you'll never breathe again the same way. And, you know, breathing is so fundamental and so overlooked and so underrated. So it's a good, solid companion book for life. I
0: totally agree with that. It's so underrated. My last question is about an app or some sort of technological assistant. Is there some sort of app that you recommend that can help with mindfulness?
1: Yeah, there's a free app okay and that's all it is which actually um, helps you do it's a scientific thing by the way part of the science of squircle it's uh, called cardiac coordination so when you regulate your breathing you actually regulate your heart and you know how important heart you know heart is the first cause of death in the modern world okay and the best thing that you can do for your heart is the way you can influence it for the better is through your breathing so there is this app called Recipe like respiration, recipe Relax, R-E-S-P-I-R-E-L-A-X, recipe Relax, download it on your phone, and it gives you actually uh, um, uh, a meter, you know, that allows you to breathe for five minutes and do it a few times in the day, you know, and that's a winner, that's a winner.
0: I'll check that out. And I haven't heard that one before recipe relax. Yes. So thank you for that. And in closing, do you have a word of advice for our listeners who are, are listening to this and thinking how interesting it is, and how they can even just begin to implement some of the concepts of Squirkle into their
1: life? The mind is a powerful tool the rational mind, you know, it gave birth to science. And we're all grateful for science. But remember, science produces knowledge, so that we can actually take full responsibility for our decisions. You know, so science doesn't replace us. Science helps us supports us in becoming more aware, more responsible, more autonomous human beings. So at the end of the day, you're the captain of your ship, And your decisions will be based on facts, knowledge, science, experience, and your perceptions, your sensations, your intuitions, and that better part of yourself is essential to be integrated into your in the course of your life. This is what's going to make your life meaningful, successful, fulfilling. And remember one thing: all high-paid Tesla engineers today working on creating that selfless car is trying to reproduce that very capacity in us to perceive and make holistic decisions through a heuristic process okay so they're trying to actually reproduce what we overlook what we dismiss what in the name of reason because it's not black and white so we don't know really what to do but that very part of us that we cannot explain but enriches us and makes us fully human is what ai is trying to reproduce so my my words of wisdom are you know you know trust trust not trust but listen Pay attention pay attention listen to your perceptions because these are the places where you'll find the answers to your complex challenges and this is where you'll get ahead of competition in the highly competitive business world where performance is the key uh, to success
0: such great advice and so mindful tribe don't forget the website is Squirkle academy.com. And Francis, thank you so much for being on mindfulness mode.
1: I had one thing. Okay, Bruce, I had one thing, go to the website SquircleAcademy.com, And there, please do take the assessment. You know, uh, there's a simple assessment it will take you three minutes, 12 questions, and you'll receive a 20 page report that will give you a lot of insights about yourself and people around you, it will change forever the way you look with people, the, the way you look at others and the way you work with them.
0: Thank you for that. And thank you for being on the show. All the best to you, Francis.
1: And to you too, Bruce. Thank you for your audience. And thank you to you.
0: Awesome. Bye now.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, and thanks to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Hey, Erica, we really appreciate you, and Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer, or a coach, or a counselor, or someone who just loves helping people, Consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can become a hypnotist, just like I did. Contact the team over at cascadehypnosiscenter.com. And if you'd like to work with me and break through some of those mind blocks, maybe lose weight, maybe quit smoking, maybe it's something else, I would be so thrilled to work with you. And as you've already heard on the show, I'm doing an exciting new beta launch. I've got room for three people. So reach out to me, just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash talk for a free short conversation about what I can do to help you I look forward to hearing from you that's mindfulnessmode.com slash let's talk so now take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode